Hello, and welcome to Gen Nomadic, a podcast and community created by and for the next generation of globally-minded nomads. Um, today, I am here with Betsy. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, can you introduce yourself a bit? Just tell us where you're from and what you've been doing recently. Um, sure. So I'm Betsy Williamson. Um, I live in Texas. Um, and, well, I'm, you know, 2020 that happened so that's a thing but um in the past i've traveled primarily in india and so i'm actually interested in hosting tours in 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 india and combining those with mindfulness i'm a certified mindfulness teacher Uh, i am also a college professor of art my background's in photography so some of the tours would also be geared towards learning about photography that's so awesome. Yeah. That sounds amazing. So um, where did your passion and love for travel begin and your whole journey? I originally traveled as a child through the United States with my family every summer. We would primarily go to Colorado. Texans love to go to Colorado for the better weather. Um, so I fell in love with travel through that. And as in my teen years, I did get to travel to Mexico and Canada. So those were my first experiences out of the country. But when I was in graduate school, I traveled to India for the first time as a research assistant with my art history professor. And so that's where my love of India came from. And so I have traveled back there numerous times. And in 2015, I went for an artist residency And while I was there, I met a lot of really cool people, and I actually ended up living in India for a year. I came home for about five months and then moved back over there for a year. So that's why I'm so attached to India. But I've also traveled to Bangladesh and Nepal and Turkey, Italy, and most recently, Jamaica. My mom and I went to Jamaica right before um, the universe shut down. (laughs) That's so cool. So many adventures. So can you tell us a little bit more about that experience living in India for a year? Um, What was that like? It was an interesting experience. Um, It wasn't, in some ways, it wasn't the best experience, which is not at all India's fault or the people of India's fault. I was in a relationship with another expat who is from Greece. So having a cross-cultural relationship in the context of a third culture that was interesting yeah but um, being in India itself was really great like you don't I mean it's a much more laid-back lifestyle than being in the United States so you didn't have to get up super early you could walk most places that you wanted to go the weather I mean in the summer where I lived it was super hot but the winters were much more mild than here. Um, So that was really nice. And in India, people make a lot more time for other people. So if you were bored, you could show up at a friend's shop or just call somebody and say, come hang out with me and they'll hang out with you. So, I mean, in that way, it's really nice. It's also really fun and interesting to go buy your vegetables like in the street market and so you have basically fresh food every day which is you know not 
how it is here in the States. Definitely. And so while you were being an expat in India, were you working online or were you just kind of like taking that year off? I did some work. My ex at the time owned a cafe. So sometimes I would work in the cafe, but um, she is also a photographer. So we started a business doing like half day walking photo tours with the tourists. Oh, awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I've, I haven't talked to a lot of people that have um, like had relationships during their travels and expats. What so do you have any advice for, for kind of travelers in that in that respect about love and finding relationships or even dealing with like, um, you know, long distance or relationships when you're traveling? Um, it's I mean, I've never been traveling and had a relationship back at home. And interestingly, before I went to the artist residency, like the summer before, because that was in uh, September. So several months before that, I had met somebody and they like wanted to start dating. But I was like, absolutely not. Like when I go, because I was traveling for two months, I didn't want to be having to deal with somebody back at home. So, um, but I mean, I don't like it, even though the relationship did not work out. Like I don't regret it at all. And I say like, if you're out traveling and you meet somebody, even if you know, like it's not gonna last forever because it is physically impossible based on distance. In my opinion, you should go with the flow because like that connection that you, excuse me, that you can make with somebody is like something else you could never have. And since I like know a bunch of people, both expats and Indians, like I do know um, other couples where it is like a foreign woman and an Indian man. And so, yeah, they each sort of have their own unique challenges based on whatever culture the female is from. But, you know, they seem to make it work. And I would date somebody else that's not American again yeah definitely and and so I don't know that's sort of the approach that I take like when I go travel anywhere like I mean not like too easy or something right but like you know just sort of open to getting to know people and that sort of thing yeah definitely and how do you usually find different friends or um different romantic interests when you're traveling what's your mode of of finding those people I mean, it was never my intention, like set out to find like a romantic partner. That wasn't really like in my mind at all because I was leaving to go to this artist residency. So I was thinking about like making art. But um, yeah, I think I actually, before I went on that trip, I watched like a ton of YouTube videos about making friends while traveling. And so, you know, they had all this advice. And so I just sort of did some of that but going to the artist residency it was sort of simple because the owner of the artist residency introduced me to like all of his friends um one of which was the woman i ended up in a relationship with like they were friends and he at the time had a foreign girlfriend and she was out of the country and she had actually told him like hey you should bring Maropi, that's her name you should bring her over so they can meet because they're both photographers And so I met her like the first day that I was there 
and she was really open and kind and she like invited me to come do stuff. So then I met more people. So, but in general, if you're traveling on your own or with, you know, a couple of friends and y'all want to be able to make friends, if you're in a country that has hostels, staying in hostels is a really great way to make friends. Or even if you're not staying in a hostel, if they have a restaurant that you can access, um, going in the evening, people will be there hanging out. Or if you're traveling somewhere where like backpacking is a big deal and you go to the backpacker hotels and go in the dining spaces, you'll most of the time people are open to conversations. And the cafe that she used to own, um, you know, travelers would come there. And so you could just be hanging out in there and just start talking to people. You just have to be willing to talk to people. That's all. <laughs> I wonder how socializing during traveling will change um, after the pandemic, you know, like how if people are going to be more weary of speaking with each other, if everyone's going to just be like gung ho, like I got to, you know, get out there and socialize or even if hostels will feel like a safe option for people or yeah, just like how will travelers meet? Yeah, that's really interesting. Like me personally, I'm like not concerned. I don't know. Maybe I should be. I, I already had COVID once. I'm fine. So I'm not overly concerned for myself about it, but, but yeah, that's a really interesting um, thing to sort of think about because my personality, partly from that experience going out on my own and like forcing myself, because I'm actually, my former self was not outgoing. I was super shy. So like, I wouldn't have even agreed to talk to you right now, like six years ago. So um, but yeah, now I'm so like outgoing and I'm like not scared of people. And even when I'm walking around outside, even if I have a mask on, I mean, I'll social distance from people. I won't like, you know, get in their face, but I still will like talk to people, smile at them and that sort of thing. So yeah, I think, you know, people just have to talk from slightly further away, potentially. But in the hostel thing, that's also interesting. So it makes me wonder if I hope that people will think that it's a fairly safe option, but maybe the hostels will not go to full capacity so that they have certain beds open. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. It's just, it's really interesting to think about the different accommodations that mm -hmm. usually like budget travelers use or, you know, back right. those hostel hoppers, because when you think about it, it's like, all of them are kind of problematic in a post-pandemic mm -hmm. world in their own way, um, right? Like hostels are very like compact, but then like mm -hmm. staying in someone's home is like imposing yourself and mm -hmm. your potential, you know, infection or not onto it, right. a you know, family or, or even just like going to smaller communities that might be at risk and, mm -hmm. and bringing that to them. It's like, there's going to be so many different issues. Right. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And I mean, most of most countries are requiring you know, that you have a test done at least 72 hours before you come. And I was watching a news report earlier today, and obviously this is only for the United States, but they said that like nearly half of all Americans have had the first COVID shot. Mm, that's great. That's I, which I thought was mind boggling. I said, I must be close. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's super, super interesting. Yeah, I, and I wonder what that means for travel, you know, if that's mm -hmm. going to really open up travel this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it'll be interesting because I have a plane ticket 
that I've had for like a year now to go to India, which just keeps getting like moved back and back. And so whenever I finally get to go, it'll be interesting to see if they like make me stay in one spot for 14 days. Yeah, definitely. Um, when are you planning on going or when is your flight for right now? Currently, my flight is for June 2nd. Cool. Awesome. Um, when, when, are, when do you feel the borders will, will open in India? Because I've been reading things that it could be April. Um, yeah, a lot of people that's, I mean, if they're speculating, that is what they're speculating. Um, even because I do speak to my ex, we're friends. And I mean, it's been maybe like two months since I spoke with her, but she, that's sort of what she was thinking is that it might be around April. So I hope that's accurate so that I can go. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to be going to India in April or around the time mm -hmm. you're going as well. Um, just keeping my fingers crossed about it. But yeah, I, I bet that they are going to have us be in some type of quarantine. Um, I am going to Nepal in three weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, which is insane, it's, it doesn't make any sense, but I'm going to have to be in a quarantine for a week there. Yeah. I love, have you been to Nepal? I haven't been to Nepal yet. Um, basically the woman I've been interning with, she runs, um, this organization and book called learning service. And, um, mm -hmm. I've been interning with her for about like seven months now. And, um, I'm going to go trekking because that's how you get a visa in Nepal right now is on a mm -hmm. trekking visa. And then I'm going to live with her for a few weeks, just waiting for my India tourist visa. So I'm not actually even sure if I'll be able to get one, but I'm hoping that I'll be able to stay in Nepal until I can get that visa. Nice. Well, then if India doesn't open up, I'll just go back to Nepal. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's because, a, yeah. Yeah, I do love Nepal also. What were your experiences in Nepal? Where, when were you there? I was there in 2015 and then in 2016, and I was just in Kathmandu. I haven't been outside of Kathmandu, but the people in Kathmandu are like the nicest people you'll ever meet. There's some, there are some cultural differences between India and Nepal, obviously, and and I don't mean this anyway, really like negatively, but in India, they see a ton of American movies. So a lot of young men in India think that Western women like to sort of be catcalled or something. And so, I mean, I'll have inappropriate things like said to me semi-regularly in India, but in Nepal, this never happens. And in the past, the two times that I've been, I've stayed with a family through an Airbnb. And so they live outside of the city center. And whenever you go like walking through their neighborhood, nobody even like looks at you or cares that you're there. Like sometimes people will be like staring at you in India, but in Nepal, nobody. And if you need help, they'll like bend over backwards to like help you out, whatever you need directions. You're confused about something. And even because they have a decent amount of air pollution on what they call the ring road that goes around Kathmandu. So I got on a bus one day to go around um, to the other side of town and a woman on there like gave me a face mask as like, you know, protection from all the air pollutants or whatever. And the workers on the bus didn't know English. And so, but multiple passengers did and I had to do a bus change and they like made sure that I got off where I needed to and made sure I got on the right bus. So. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. I, the culture sounds incredible. Yeah. Um, also, I was wondering what, what do you feel that, how do you feel, um, 
traveling in Nepal and India post-pandemic, how do you feel that it's going to be different from your experiences? Um, or what are you kind of anticipating going to India when you do? How do you feel like it's going to be different? My anticipations, I guess, are sort of maybe along the lines of what we talked about, the hostels that like, I usually travel on train. So I'm not sure that they're going to let tourists travel by train. And if they do, maybe, and even for Indian passengers, which I saw on Instagram right before we got on here that an Indian friend of mine had just ridden on the train. It had been over a year since they had been on the train. So I guess they've had the trains shut down. So maybe they're not going to fill them up to capacity to give people some more space. So possibly we might not be able to travel by train. We might have to fly everywhere. We'll see. Um, and some of the news trickling out says that, you know, you may have to have all of your plans booked before you get there. So we'll see how that goes. So yeah, yeah stuff like that. And then hopefully everywhere will be, you know, implementing more stringent cleaning regimens. Yeah, definitely. I hopefully that all of that gets put into place. And also, how do you feel about traveling post pandemic in like an ethical and sustainable um, standpoint? Because here on Generation Nomad, we kind of talk a lot about sustainable and ethical travel and what that's going to look like post pandemic. And how, especially for those parts of the world, but I guess just travel in general, like how do you how do you feel about that? Well, I mean, in terms of being ethical, sustainable in a certain way, like I think that it'll be super important to consider like who you're spending your money with so that it's really is going like directly to the community. Now, I mean, depending on how the government has things set up, they may be pushing you towards staying at, you know, the big hotel as where like the hostels are usually owned by locals. Um, so staying in like a youth hostel as opposed to some fancy five-star hotel. Um, and, you know, going to more like local restaurants instead of chain restaurants and going to local markets instead of going to like the touristy trap places. Um, that's sort of the main way that I will think about it in terms of traveling. I mean, a lot of times when I'm in India, I'll travel by train, which is more sustainable in my opinion than like flying. We may or may not have a choice about that, right? So we'll see how that sort of stuff goes. But, but yeah, that will be my main concern is making sure that um, local individuals are really helped out because since I lived there and stuff, I like know these people. Most of the people that I know in some way work in tourism, so. Yeah, definitely. Everyone that I'm staying with as well, I don't know, like everyone that um, all the contacts that I've made and the people I'm staying with in India and Nepal, they all work in the tourism industry as well. So I've been like trying to get their feedback and information, but I've also just been feeling this sense of like coming in as a foreigner after a global pandemic where like the communities that we'll be visiting have just been affected so you know, intensely and especially I write in these all these different ways, but also just like from from the lack of tourism, they've been affected. So mm -hmm. I'm just trying to also balance the like ethics of all of this, just like as a foreigner coming in after a pandemic. And um, 
yeah, I'm just, I'm very interested to see, I don't, I don't want to feel guilt around this. You know, I feel like I'm, I'm doing these experiences and in the best way I know how, and I'm, you know, taking into consideration all of my impacts and trying to mitigate them. But it's just, it's a really interesting like situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, since I'm an artist, not, I mean, some of these people I haven't met face to face, but there's a group of photographers in South India that I've been in communication with for nearly six years now. And during the shutdown, they did a fundraiser by selling prints. And so I bought some of those prints and they couldn't ship them over here to me. So they have them. Well, they shipped them to a friend of mine where I had lived, right? But yeah, I wanted to help them out because obviously no, I was still fortunate enough to have work here where I was still working. So yeah, I tried to help people out in that way. But yeah, I feel, I mean, the people that I know in India, it's like, yeah, when the border opens, they want people to come because that's their livelihood. Yeah, definitely. Because it's really interesting to think about. It's like from these different countries' perspectives, from a Westerner's point of view, we're like, they don't want us because we might have the, you know, we might have the disease and COVID. But from their perspective, it's like, no, like a huge percentage of our, you know, national income is tourism. And, you know, we we want you guys to be safe, but we we need tourists. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting because we're thinking about it from so many different perspectives. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Also, what, are, what exactly are you planning to do um, when you go back to India? Are you planning to work more on your business? I'd love to hear more about that as well. Um, yeah, I'll do some business work. I have, so I haven't actually given a tour yet, thanks to 2020. So we'll see how that goes, if, that, if it's able to happen this year or not. We'll just keep moving forward. So since I like, am a certified mindfulness teacher, I'm also working towards opening an online um, mindfulness studio so that anybody could do that from anywhere. Um, but when I, so when I go to India, sure, I'll do some stuff for like advertising purposes, I guess. Um, but I've already like done a trial run of the tour and it, it'll depend on how much they, I guess the government has us like tied to an itinerary. Um, if it's sort of easy for me to do, I would like to go to Varanasi because that's one place we're going on the tour to like sort of lock some things down. Um, but if that's not 100% possible, I may not do that. So primarily, I'll spend some time in Delhi, um, hanging out with a friend and locking down some stuff there and then going to where I lived, which was Udaipur, Rajasthan. I'll probably spend like half the time there um, hanging out with friends and seeing what's going on there. And then I would like to go down south to Kochi or Cochin as it's called. I haven't ever been to Kerala, the state that Cochin is in. And um, something about it is calling my name because I do want to move back to India, but I don't know that I want to live in Udaipur again. So. I like the hot weather and it does get kind of cold in Udaipur in the winter. So, Yeah, that sounds amazing. And, and when you do move back or when you plan to move back, do you rent property there or how do you, how do you live there? And what, what are the regulations from the government around that stuff for foreigners? Um, yeah, you can rent housing. Um, it's pretty simple. I mean, depending on 
the size of the city you're in, like you may just rent it from an individual and they'll just like write up a contract and like it's not a big deal. Like if you're in a big city like Delhi or Mumbai, you may have to go through like a rental agency kind of situation like you would here. Um, and technically in India, foreigners can't own property. Um, so there can be some interesting things around that, but um, my ex, she was renting one house when I was living there. She recently moved somewhere else. So she did have like a whole house to herself. And now she's renting like the third floor of somebody else's house, but it's fully like has its own kitchen, its own bathroom and all that. So yeah, you can usually rent spaces like that. You don't have to stay necessarily in a hotel, even though I do have friends that stay in India most of the year that are there right now that like didn't leave and they do live in a hotel the whole time. That's yeah, that's really interesting. I've never heard of that before. Your your friends that are in India right now, what has their experience been during the pandemic? Well, I mean, they all obviously didn't work when India was shut down like everyone else. So Moropi, my ex, she now works for the local prince. Udaipur has a royal family, there's a prince there, and she currently works for him. So in the past, he traveled a lot for business work, and so she would travel with him. So obviously right now they're not traveling, but she goes to the office every day and does work there. What that entails exactly, I don't know. They're probably just eating a bunch of food, I don't know. And um, we have a friend who actually bought the cafe, an Indian friend, and he bought the cafe from her. And he is in a relationship with an American woman now. And so she stayed over there the whole time. And so um, she's working in the cafe right now. And so I would say their experience is that they're probably a little bit bored. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But yeah, they, I mean, Moropi definitely is like, I mean, feeling like a lot of people anywhere are feeling like, you know, she's ready for a break and she's ready to go back to Greece to visit her family and friends there. Like, you know, she's starting to feel a little trapped or whatever. Um, but yeah. You said that and she's working, she's working for the local what? Prince. Prince? Yeah. Oh, interesting. So what, what is, who is he? The local prince. I don't know. His name is Lakshras. He, um, so most of Rajasthan was um, ruled by different royal families before India, well, probably before the British came in. And I think they still had some autonomy under British rule. And so whenever the British left India, they got pulled in as part of India. And so they don't have any like political power per se, but they have money and they obviously have some influence around or whatever. So they just have different business ventures, both in Udaipur and abroad. And yeah, he's a really nice guy. Cool. He's like, he's like super kind of, I mean, he's for, you know, somebody with some fame, he's pretty down to earth. If you go over to his office, he himself will cook you food. He's a nice guy. 
I don't know. He's like my little brother because I'm a couple years older than him. So, um, but yeah. That's awesome. That's super cool. Well, I really hope that you get to go to India. Maybe I'll see you at some point crossing paths somewhere. Yeah. Um, but do you have any last words or advice for the next generation of globally minded nomads? Yeah, I guess just like, you know, figure out how you can sustain travel, not only for yourself, but make it to where it's something that's sustainable for a really long time. And don't, you know, don't go into situations thinking that you have the answer or that your way of living life is the only way or the best way. Just go with an open mind and be open to the input from others. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me.